Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. We're back on the rest of the sermon. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. How are you, Pastor Jason? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I am doing well. The weather has taken a turn for the better. For the it better. It's so nice outside. We were over here in your, in, your, in your whip with the windows down. We were outside last night, and with the breeze and the temperature dropping, um, the mosquitoes were almost like non-existent, yeah. and it was glorious. You guys get dragonflies out there? Oh yeah, yeah. In the yard, th- those time. those will eat mosquitoes. Good. For you. They'll fly around and like scoop them all up. Great, yeah, because so when great. it is hot and the sun begins to go down, you cannot. Yeah. You can't be outside. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. just can't. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're not from Southeast Missouri, oh. um, just don't just don't come right now. Like out here is a not a great. It's it, the weather's nice during the day uh, if you can bear the heat and maybe wear a big straw sun hat. But at night, if you don't want to be dinner for ten million mosquitoes, just don't come out. It's here. also a different kind of heat. It's yeah. not Arizona dry. Yeah. You know, hundred and ten yeah. like an oven. It's uh, it's actually only ninety three degrees. Yeah, yeah. Well, but we get to say the dad thing. It's not the heat that gets you. It's the humidity. It's that humility. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, that humility, <laughs> the humility, as the kids say. Uh, but it's like breathing through a wet towel yeah, is what it's like. You're breathing in a wet rag all day when you walk outside. Take a shower, walk to your car, sweat, and have to take an. And the shower. good thing about the new heavens and the new earth, man. Mm, amen. No mosquitoes. Amen. There will be no more mosquitoes. No chiggers. No ticks. Yeah, man. Ugh. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. Yes, when we will. all get to heaven. Maranatha, Lord. Maranatha. Come quickly. Yes. We lament the mosquitoes yes. and all of that. We're talking about lament today. <laughs> we are talking about learning to lament. We've been in Psalm, in the book of Psalms through summer in the Psalms, which by the way, I just, I love the fact that each summer we pause, we, we pause from like rhythms through, we're still in the book of the Bible. Like yeah. and you said this, but we always come back to this book. Yep. We always come back to the book of Psalms, um, help, help to engage our emotions biblically, as we've said in the past. And I love the idea of just coming back to this book, um, the, the, uh, the hymn book book for Israel and learning yeah. of how we can draw good wisdom from these things and also just practical life applications of what yeah. we can do when we're happy, when we're sad. Love that we're returning The reason to the why we do that is um, actually in higher liturgy of churches, especially in the BCP, they read through the way that Cramner put that book together. They actually read through the Psalms once a year yeah, corporately as a church. And so um, I think that's much for us. But anyway, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And so I just thought, man, how can we incorporate? Because I do think the Psalms have greatly vanished mm. from the life of the church. Yeah. And, and man, I think if you look back just a, a generation. I mean, like, think about your grandfather yeah. and that era of church. Yeah. The Psalms were very much so apart. Yeah. And man, I think in just a generation, yeah. we have greatly drifted. And I think where that happens, there will be a famine in the land. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Psalms are rich. And it's been fun to, we started with Psalm 1, yeah. and we're just marching our way yeah, through, man. man. What does Sinclair Ferguson say? He's preaching one time on the Psalms. He talks about the the, the hymn book of Israel. And I, just imagine a man uh, with the, the thickest Scottish accent right. you can imagine and the longest jowls coming down from the yep. side of his cheeks. He's saying, he looks directly at the camera and he says, Psalms. And by the way, 
the church should be singing psalms. Yes. Like, yes, man. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. So let's get into it. I'm going to yeah. read Psalm 5, and then I will pray, and then we will launch right into our content of learning to lament. If you're joining us, open up your Bible. I'm reading from the ESV. This is Psalm chapter 5. Lead me in your righteousness to the choir master for the flutes, a psalm of David. Psalm 5, verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies, and the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. Mm. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies, and make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth, their inmost self, is destruction, and their throat is an open grave, and they flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy, and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Yeah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, reflecting on verse 7, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. That's the only way that we can come to you is through the abundance of your steadfast love shown to us in Christ Jesus. Remind us of this good news and guide our conversation today. May it bring glory and honor to the name of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Learning to lament. Learning to lament. Why is this a psalm of lament? And maybe even before we get into that, can we ask the question, what is lament? Yeah. Like, what is a lament? Maybe you hear that word and you think of the book of Lamentations, or yeah. you hear of somebody saying, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a hard time, I'm lamenting right now. What is a lament? Yeah. So, you know, when we look at the Psalms and if you think about music and there's country, there's jazz, there's classical, that's a great way to look at the Those book. Those are the of, only three categories. That's it. Music. That's yep. it. Yep. And, and the hip hops, <laughs> the hip hops. Um, you know, when you look at that music as a whole and then genres, that's a great way to look at the book of Psalms yeah. because they're Psalms of Thanksgiving, there's song, uh, psalms of repentance, uh, pineal psalms, psalms of joy, and then there is a, it's over one-third. I mean, this is a big deal. Over one-third of the categories of psalms are known as psalms of lament. Yeah. And one of the things we said Sunday was, is that lamenting is not simply just being sad or angry or grieving. Yeah. It's no less than that, yeah. but it's not just that. Lamenting is what we do with our sadness, our anger, and our grief. And so the working definition that we had is biblical lamenting 
is the act of intentionally directing our emotions to God in order to experience the grace of God yeah. and the transformation of them. Yeah. And, um, you know, we we uh, went back to that quote that the book of Psalms is the soul's medicine chest. And Calvin says that there's not an, a, a human emotion that is felt that is not voiced in the Psalms. The Psalms yeah. are a highly yeah. emotional book of the Bible. And that's, that's an important quote, because if you ever come to the Bible, if you, if you feel like your situation is unique and that no one's experienced it before, you're, you're just wrong. Yep. I, I, it feels unique to you and your experiences are unique, but you do have someone that you can relate to and relate with, whether it's around you in community. But first and foremost, it's in the scriptures. Absolutely. And we see a lot of those in the Psalms. Yeah. yeah. And so I was really like, man, one third, it, you know, there's, there's something here about this. There's, I mean, you know, does this, does this translate and does this relate? And so this past week I made a social media post and just said, what is, what's your favorite saddest song? Mm. Like just, I'm talking sad song, what's you yours? know? Um, mine is absolutely, he stopped loving her today. Yeah. I mean, I just think, I mean, and when I realized and learned, actually learned it through a Malcolm Gladwell revisionist history podcast episode. That sounds like you. That, he, <laughs> that he's dead. Yeah. The, the opening line is the lead. Yeah. And he said, you know, he would love her until he dies. Yeah. And then the rest of the song is he stopped loving her. And yeah. you're like, oh my goodness, he's dead. But dude, there were like 123 comments yeah. of people that were like, boom, just yeah. what's your, what's your saddest song? Yeah. Mine? Yeah. I've, the, I grew up listening to a lot. One that comes to mind, um, it's probably not my favorite, but it's up there. It's by John Foreman. It's called Somebody's Baby. Okay. Um, and the opening line is, she yells, if you were hungry, if you were homeless, sure is, heck, you'd be drunk or high trying to get there or begging for junk. Just one lonely stoner waiting to be brought to her knees. Oh. And then the line just goes through like... Like they got her ID from the dental remains, the same fillings intact, the same nicotine stains. The birth and the death are both over with no one to grieve. Oh. But the chorus is, she's somebody's baby, somebody's baby. Yeah, man. Like, it's just so sad. Like, Yeah. This, yeah I, that's, and so the reason yeah. why I was like, is this true? And, and I found an article in uh, the Wall Street Journal that talks about, it's actually called like the, the anatomy of a tearjerker. Mm. And it talks about Adele best, you know, one of the best selling albums to come out of England and all of this stuff. Long story short, there is literally a a note. I mean, I mean, musicians have this down to a science yeah, man. to be able to express sadness. And we are drawn as human beings to an expression of sadness. Yeah. I mean, it is just from my own study of that Facebook post, it backed up the article and everything. And I thought, you know, I love that God's word always proves true. Yeah, man. Why have the book of Psalms for 2,000 years have been the go-to for God's people? Yeah. And it's because here we find the words. We find the language um, for what we want. Yeah. And then I just did, went, did another layer and thought, well, what is it about this language? And realized it's honesty. Yeah. It's honesty. In in Christianity, we we, we just kind of have this vibe that for some reason we think that either we have to have it all together, yeah. we have to have a mask, but dude, um, Dane Ortland says the book of Psalms are earthly and heavenly at the same time. Mm. They're both 
bitter yeah. and beautiful. Yeah. And that's something that we can hold together. You yeah. know, I mean, this, the Bible didn't fall out of the sky. Right. We didn't get it from the aliens, yeah. you know, type of a thing. It is written by human authors inspired by God yeah. who had real emotions and real experiences. Yeah. And and listen, if, if you're somebody peeking over the fence at Christianity or you're somebody who struggles with church culture or, you know, something along those lines, please hear me that, that there are human authors here that, that, we can explain, you know, what was going on in David's life. There is an earthiness to this book yeah. that is beautiful yeah. that relates to us as human beings. Yeah, and one of the reasons is because it is honest. Yes. Um, and I love this idea of honesty. I, I did I did a little research on why like why we lie. Yeah. Like we, we, like we feel the need to lie about everything. Like mo- most people, for the most part, do tell the truth. You don't um, but, have to teach a kid to lie. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, lo- I love that illustration. The same way that like we sit down and we tell Jesse, um, like, when she's having a moment or a fail, like, do you, do you ever see mommy and daddy? Like when we don't get what we want, like right. throwing our silverware across the room. She's like, right. no, I'm like, okay, well, this is something that we haven't taught you, but you're reacting this way. And this is not healthy. Like, let's, let's do something else with this emotion. But anyways, I love, I love the idea of honesty. And I looked at the idea of why we lie. And there was a study that was done over years and it was kind of condensed into this psychology today article. And one of the bullet points of why we lie is this. It's telling the truth feels like giving up control. 100%. Telling the truth feels like that we're giving up our our reign on what we have in our life, whether it's our emotions or a relationship or whatever. Yep. And there's a deep there's a deep, deep value in being honesty, especially when it hurts. Absolutely. Especially when it is painful. And going off of that idea of giving up control, I said, you know, why do we see Jesus? And and we talked about in Matthew 12, 13, right. the man with the withered hand. And, and Jesus does this all the time, whether it's the woman caught in the act of adultery or it's the Pharisee. He, he goes about it in a different way, but what he wants is complete honesty and vulnerability. Yeah. And he asks the man with the withered hand to stretch out his hand. Yeah. To expose that thing. Yeah. And we said, because the reason why is, is whatever's hidden yeah. will never be healed. Yeah. And and that's the goal of lamenting. That's why yeah. God has given us these emotions well, there, there's, here. In terms of being honest and vulnerable, like that it's... It's not, it's not just submission and trust. It's also, a sh- it shows a dependency yeah. upon someone other than yourself, namely God. And we talked about how we do this because before we jump into, into the context and then how we can learn to lament, I want to back up just, just one little section in your notes here where you talked about spiritual bypassing. Yeah, man. It's one of the way, the primary way that we as Christians like lie to ourselves or yep. to others. What is spiritual bypassing? And then I want to take a moment and kind of go through a couple of these points that were on the graphic that you showed that yeah. was extremely helpful. What is spiritual bypassing? Yeah, so this is something that I've been learning and reading and studying about for about two years and kind of just general emotional health. And because I, man, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted to get down to it. I'm, I'm that personality. I'm like opening up cupboards. I'm asking the questions. I want to figure out what's underneath this. Where does real transformation happen? Where does real change happen? Yeah. And I've grown up in the church all my life, and I've seen things that make me go, well, that is the exact opposite of Jesus. Yeah. That's the exact opposite. And we are, as individuals, so sinful and so broken. It's one of the powers of sin is that it blinds us to our own sin is that we actually use 
our Christianity, our Bible, and our faith, we actually use it as a mask in order to get by. And so by definition, um, I pulled a lot from Allison Cook, who's a PhD. I highly recommend follow her on Twitter, Instagram. That was the graphic that we used. She has a book called Boundaries for Your Soul, which is absolutely fantastic. She's a clinical psychologist and a born-again Christian, and she approaches it from both of those angles. And spiritual bypassing simply means that you use spiritual concepts, truths, or platitudes, or activities to bypass or avoid dealing with your true feelings Mm. or the hard emotional health and work of like anger, grief, loneliness, and shame. And and so you actually use Christianity to bypass that. If you think about a bypass, like a bypass in town, we've got a bypass in Popper Bluff and you get on that road in order to bypass the heart of town. You don't have to go through Westwood. You can just get on PP or do something like that and avoid the city. Yeah, We do the same thing when it comes to our emotions. We bypass them and we actually can use Christianity to do that. Yeah, And man, the more and more that I've done the slow work of kind of evaluating this, it's been a game changer, man. It's been a game changer. Well, spiritual bypassing can be dangerous. Yes. Like, like, because it's it's not just... It's not just hiding or covering up emotions for the sake of maybe not being seen by others, but it's also ignoring them and avoid dealing with them altogether, which is dangerous to your own emotional health. Yep. And so I want to look at this chart. I've got it pulled up here. I'm just going to read a couple of them. You went over this on Sunday, but I want to talk about it a little bit here. Yeah. Um, there's an emotional health side on the left and then a spiritual bypassing side on the, on the right. So the first one is here on the left, emotional health says, hey, a part of me feels sad today. Yeah. Just being honest about that. And I'm curious about what's causing that. I've had what those is that about? I've had those days yeah. where like you wake up and then like uh, you yeah. know, a couple hours into your day, yeah. you're just like, ah oh, man, yeah. is a fog. You yeah. Know, is this yeah. something? And you would think that the 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 other side of that, the spiritual bypassing, would probably be something like, Oh, I'm j- I'm gonna lash out in my sadness or right. I'm gonna be I'm gonna cry or whatever. But spiritual bypassing, it actually sounds right. Right. Says this. It says, You don't need to be sad. God's given you so much. Yep. Like just repress that sadness. Yep. You don't need to address it or or come to it. God's given you everything. How is that how are those two things? different because spirit the spiritual bypassing of you don't need to be sad god's given you so much well there's an accuracy to that yeah but it doesn't address the the deep-seated need of hey a part of me is noticing that i feel sad today yeah i'm curious about that how are those different why is the emotional health side a better choice yeah i can give you a very concrete example i know a guy who has a picture of um, somebody on his phone and it was somebody in his congregation who was a quadriplegic and in a wheelchair and suffered greatly in Mm. their life before they passed. And he looked at me and he said, anytime I start complaining or I start feeling a certain way, I look at this picture and I tell myself it could always be worse. Mm. Okay, pause for a second, all right? There's a little bit of wisdom there. Yeah. And the wisdom is, is not to be um, self-conceited, just trapped in yourself and in your own world. But what you've just done is you've bypassed 
the suffering or trauma or hurt that you are experiencing. Here's one thing that we need to say. And that matters. Yes. It matters that you're experiencing that. And here's why. Because your emotions are not your enemy. Now, I need to be careful here because... You know, we've grown up in church, and I've said this, I've preached this. Your feelings are not facts, mm. and that's a that's a fact. Yeah, because there's a way that seems right to man, as Proverbs says, and in the end, it's going to kill everyone. Yeah. It ends in death. Yeah. So your feelings aren't facts. We said it when we came in here. I feel cold. Right. One of us felt cold, and the other didn't. Like, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your 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 emotions yeah. are signals that are telling you something yeah. about what's going on. So yeah. they're not fact. But here's the language we use. Your feelings are a poor guide, but they're a good gauge. So there's a reason why maybe you feel sad or there's something going on. And listen, please hear me when I say this. God has wired you a certain way. You have emotions. And for you Bible thumpers out there, we see this in the life of Christ. And and quite honestly, can I just, you know, I'm going to maybe, you know, anger some Orthodox theologians here. We quite frankly miss this in Orthodox Christianity. Example, the Apostles' Creed. Mm. The Apostles' Creed starts with, he was born by the Virgin Mary. And then it says, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Yeah. Well, there's 33 right. years there. Yeah. I mean, and so in in the Christian faith, we're obsessed with like the virgin birth and then the crucifixion, and we miss the life of Jesus. Yeah. You know, like I've never seen an artist render Jesus laughing. Mm. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. And and we see the emotional life of Jesus. Yeah. We see Jesus grieving. We yeah. see Jesus get angry. We see Jesus get sad. Why is that important? Well, number one, Colossians 1 and Hebrew 1 tells us that Jesus is the exact representation yeah. of God, yeah. that God is like Jesus, yeah. that we cannot ask the question, boy, I wonder what God is like. Right. As Christians, we say, we'll look to Jesus. Right. And what we see in Jesus is an emotional side of his life. Yeah. And I think the church historically... Overall, I'm not trying to be a critic, but what I am saying is I think we have created an environment, number one, that it's very easy for people to learn lingo yeah. and then spiritual bypass. Yeah. And so just un, you know, another example, I have an unspoken prayer request. Yeah. And what you do is you justify in your mind and you say, Why well, well, I talked about it in community group. Right. Well, well, no, you didn't. Yeah. You just kind of said that you have an unspoken request, and then everybody in the group is supposed to go, oh, yeah, man. You know, right. Just Must be pr- serious. Yeah, you know, praying yeah. for you and doing yeah. that, when in reality, you need to talk about yeah. that. You need to process. Now, it yeah. needs to be in a safe environment, yeah. not in a room with 20 people yeah. or something like that. And and so I just think the church overall, and, yeah. and, and this is the lie underneath that we talked about that the reason why. Why are we spending time talking about this on a podcast? Why did I spend a majority of the sermon talking about this? And it's because of this. There is a lie in the church that we believe that you can be spiritually mature and emotionally immature at the same time. Hmm. And that is a lie. We do not see somebody who is spiritually mature. and, And a large reason why is because we use external markers for that. And so, you know, somebody shows up to, you know, community group for the first time and they've got a big ESV study Bible that's marked up, you know, and you're like, oh man, that person's, 
you know, they should be a board member yeah. or, you know what I'm saying? You know, we use these external signs as a mark of spiritual maturity. And if we see anything in the scriptures, the apostle Paul addresses that in the book of Galatians, we see James address that, that we cannot use external markers as a sign for spiritual maturity. Yeah. And the reason why it's so important is because God wants to be and go into the depths of our soul yeah. and who we are. Yeah. And so I know I'm ranting a little no, bit there, good. but it's it's important. And yeah. I, I read I, I read a quote from Robert Masters, who sort of was the kind of the first guy to write the book on spiritual bypassing. And he, and he has this quote in there, and it says this, if doing so, meaning actually engaging our emotions, seems to break our heart, we are on the right path, even if we are on our hands and knees. For when our heart breaks, it doesn't shatter. Mm. It breaks open, expanding to include more and more of God. Mm, that's, oh, good. that's it, man. Yeah, that's such good news, man. That's such good news. And vulnerability is, and honesty are at the core of that, of, of coming in and, and, and being honest about our emotions and our health. And it, it matters where we go with those emotions. That's it. And it matters that's where we go. Key. Yep. And so that's what we're talking about. The spiritual bypassing chart, we'll include in the show notes. We'll put that in there. You guys can read through those and see the difference of read, those. Read like one or two more of yeah. those because I think they're yeah. super helpful, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the se- I'll just read the other three. Um, the, the, on the emotional health side, I feel so angry at him. That's emotionally addressing your anger. Yeah. I don't want to act out of anger, but I do want to understand where it's coming from. Yep. Emotionally healthy. You've identified and named your anger and you're curious about the origin of it. Yep. Spiritual bypassing just says, ask God to take your anger away. Right. Like, and didn't we just cover this in Psalm 4? Like, it says, yeah. be angry. Yeah. Be angry and do not sin. Can you imagine? And, I mean, let's use, we're pastors here, man. I am... I'm for theology that that wears boots, okay? Not theology in an ivory tower with a gown. Let's say that, you know, somebody is married and somebody's committed adultery. They've been cheated on. They've been betrayed. Mm. There's going to be days where that woman or that man wakes up and looks at their partner and feels so much anger as if the day that it happened. And we're talking years down the road. Yeah. And what you do with that, you're presented with an option. And what we're saying lamenting is, is being intentional with that anger and first taking it to God and processing it. But can you imagine somebody struggling with such a burden like that? And then a friend or a pastor or somebody saying exactly what you just said. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, that was years ago. Just ask God to take that anger away. Pray your anger away. Yeah, just pray it away, man. Wow. Yeah. That's such a bird. That's not good. Yeah. That's not good news. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That doesn't sound good at all. Emotional health number three. I want to, I want to forgive. I want to forgive, but my heart's far from it. I'm going to talk to someone honestly about this struggle. We already see language about moving moving outside of ourselves and yeah. communicating with others. That's a healthy way to address. We've named it. We've named that the desire to forgive is there, but we don't really want to. It's okay to name that. And then talk about communicating with someone else that need to, to forgive or maybe even the desire to not to. Yeah. Spiritual bypassing says, hey, God already forgave you, so you should just go ahead and forgive others. Just, right. just turn your other cheek. Right. Like, Take the forgiveness that God has given you and just go ahead and forgive someone else and ignore how you're feeling. 
And, yeah. and, and here's where a lot of people, I think, feel stuck. And I think that's why anytime we talk about this stuff on Sunday or on a podcast, we get a ton of feedback. Yeah. And, and the reason why is, is because I think nobody knows what to say to that. Mm. because it sounds so true. Yeah. It's, oh, God has forgiven me of so much. Right. And actually that is at a core, a gospel motivation. Yeah. That's what we see in yeah. the New Testament. Yeah. But guys, it is a process. Yeah. You don't- change, change in the Christian life is about formation, yeah. not arrival. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us really think, man, if I could just get that Beth Moore Bible study or if I could just do this, yeah. if I could just get that devotional, if I could just wake up at 4 a.m. and read, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, and, <laughs> and do all of that, then it's the limitless pill. Right. Then I've arrived. Yeah. And, and what we see, even in Psalm 5, is that they start out a certain way, yeah. and then they end a certain way, yeah. which tells me that there's a process right. there of doing that. Absolutely. Another one on this list is the last one, and then we'll include this chart in the in the show notes as well. I'm fearful of what they might think of me. This is the emotionally healthy side. I want to understand that fear so that it doesn't rule over me. Mm. So acknowledging and naming and addressing the fear, the the idea of belonging, of what other people think of us, and then wanting to understand the core of it. Spiritual bypassing just says, hey, starve your fear because it's the enemy of your faith. Yep. You're afraid because you don't have enough faith. Oh. Like... Can you imagine tell I mean I'm just I have a physical angry reaction yeah, like, to ju- that. I mean think about somebody who's th- think about somebody p- paint yourself in the realest picture that you can. You know a friend who's losing a loved one. Yeah. Tell them they're afraid of what it's going to be like when they're gone. Right. And then you look them in the eye and say, "Well, you just don't have enough faith." Right. I How just, is that helpful? You know, guys, when Jesus gives us an invitation to follow him, um, he gives us an invitation with a cross. Yeah. And he says, you have to pick up your cross daily and follow me. A cross is about crucifixion. It's about nailing yeah. something and, and watching it die so God can then resurrect something. Yeah. And I think that we completely forget that in our walk with him, that these are the things that we're talking about. There's some emotions yeah. and there's these bypassing mechanisms that yeah. we've learned, quite frankly, yeah. how to kind of survive but- in community and save face. You know, that, that we need to nail to the it's, cross. It's just what you said earlier. Your emotions aren't your enemy. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we come up against things like like forgiveness or anger or fear, especially, and we say, well, I shouldn't be afraid. Yeah. Like, that's a wrong emotion. Well, no, it's not. What, right. what matters is who's with you when you're afraid yep. and where you go with your fears. Yeah. God is with you in the midst of what the, the psalmist says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's right. where I am. I'm here. Yep. I'll fear no evil because who's with me? God's with me. Right. You're with me. I heard a pastor say one time, anytime you're talking with a parishioner, um, listen for these little clues and sort of red, not red flags, but they're clues to help you get underneath to the core of the conversation. And one of them is anytime somebody says, I know I'm not supposed to feel this way. Yeah. Or I know I'm not supposed to say this. I shouldn't do this, but. But blank. Yeah. Well, the reality is, is there's guilt, there's shame, and there's a there's an emotion there yeah. that they don't know what to do with it. You yeah. know what I mean? And so that's what lamenting is. God yeah. has prescribed this for yeah. us in his word. And there's a way for us to learn. And that's where we see, that's what we see that we can derive from, not just from the life of Christ, but also this beautiful hymn book that we have of the Psalms. We see it in Psalm 5. So you've broken it down for us here in the text. We see it two ways that 
we can learn to lament. And number one is just what we've been saying. Where do we go with our emotions? What do we do? Well, that's number one. We can, it's connection. We go to God in prayer. Yeah. We go to God in prayer. I'm just going to read verses one through three so we can hear this. Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, and in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you, and I watch. Already we have this language of immediately identifying with with groanings and cryings and emotions, and he's got a direction of where he's going. Yep. It's to God in prayer. Yep. Yeah, man. And, the fir- and you've broken that down into three sections here, in spoken, broken words, and then the third one is in the morning. Yeah. Let's talk about in spoken words. Like, like... I think that we have this idea that, hey, God, God's omniscient and omnipresent, so I don't have to pray out loud. He knows my thoughts. Yeah, sure. Like, I can think a prayer yeah. in my mind, like in the midst of a shower or in driving to work or whatever. And there is legitimately a difference between praying in our minds or thinking in a prayer in our, in our language, in our head, or praying out loud. Yeah. Why is it important that we don't just pray in our minds, but that we open our mouths, that we open our mouths and pray? Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, I really wrestled with this text this week and for this to be the rest of the sermon to kind of give insight as to what that looks like. Um, You know, traditionally, this psalm is broken down and has like five points because there's five sections. And what we do is we walk through sort of every one, group them, make a point, and then explanation, illustration, application. And I felt a, a real heavy burden that there was a lot of work that we needed to do in the front part of the sermon before we even dove into the text. That's why it was a little bit different of a sermon. And then secondly, I just felt a leading of the Lord to be helpful. That, you know, yes, theologically it's right to walk through line by line and explain every word, and I get that, and we do that. But on this one, I thought, what do the what do people need? Yeah, man. What do people need in this? Yeah. And so those were the two. That's why there's really only kind of two points. Yeah. And that first one being connection, go to God in prayer, um, and the first one being in spoken words. I think it's important. You know, I, I'll never forget Warren Wearsby saying how he would teach new converts how to pray, and he would say, number one. Um, have a Bible, get your Bible, get a list, get on your knees, get alone and get loud is is what he would tell converts. Just kind of, that's a great way to learn to start praying. And I think the reason why it's important to speak it out loud is because you're talking to a person. I I mean, I think a lot of times we forget in our prayer, we're talking to a God who hears us. David says that in this psalm, that you would hear my cry. Yeah. And, and when we're speaking, you know, I'm not trying to get crazy here, charismatic, but I think there is something about voicing and speaking words. Yeah. You know, we did a series called Words Create Worlds. Yeah. And we see when God creates the universe that God said. Yeah, he didn't think it into existence. Right. He spoke it. Yes. Yeah, man. Because there's something about the act of speaking that into existence that means something. And so for Christians, I think it's really important, man, yeah. that in your prayer time that you are speaking out loud because yeah. you're talking to a person. Yeah, that's. I've, I've seen moments of silence in uh, sure. corporate gatherings Absolutely. before, and those have their place. But by far, what marks the gathering is the public allowed reading of Scripture, yep. public singing, 
the public coming to the table and everybody opening their, we open our mouths when yeah. we come together and we do the same with our emotions in spoken words. I love that. The second one, the, I loved this one in broken words. Yeah. We go to God in prayer in broken words. He says there in verse, was it verse one or verse, no, verse two, give attention to the sound of my cry. Yeah. Oh, my King and my God for two. Verse you one, he pray. says, consider my yeah, groaning. My groanings. And in the original Hebrew, it is, yeah just this word of just agony yeah. and writhing well, the, in pain. The Oxford English Dictionary, I know we've defined lament already with our definition, but the I, lo, I know you love the OED. So yep. the Oxford English Dictionary defines lament as a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. And yes. that's what we see here is broken words, yeah. is just coming to the Lord. And what even seems like what's described here is like this amalgamation of of thoughts and feelings and emotions that are just kind of all falling out. It may not even be coherent at yep. the time. And why is that important? Like, because when we think of somebody praying, we think of the idea of how to pray. I know we have the Lord's Prayer and there's and yep. and, and there's a, a guideline of things that are important that God that Jesus has given us to pray with. But we almost use that as a, as a as a tool and a standard of oh well, I have to sound a specific way when I pray. Right. I have to sound like I have my thoughts collected. I'm choosing the right words and coming to God in a matter that is groaning or crying just yeah. doesn't seem right. How is that actually honest and helpful as opposed to like something we can sneer at or look down on? In yeah, terms of praying? I think there's an element of good news to it of when we see David say. You know, sometimes I have words and then sometimes I don't. And so what does it look like to sit in the chair after that long day and just yeah. go and then begin to cry? Yeah. I think what it shows is, is that God cares. Yeah. God wants that. Yeah. The same way that when a child cries, that is a signal to a parent yeah. to scoop them up in their arms and show them love yeah. and affection. And, you know, we, we read the verse in Romans eight twenty six that says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. There it is. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us mm. with groanings too deep for words. Yeah. Now, is that the Spirit with groanings, or is that our groanings? He intercedes for us since we have groanings too deep for words, or is that the Spirit that's groaning too deep for words? I, I, I read that as the Spirit intercedes for us as we have groanings that are too deep for words. Yeah, I think it can be both, yeah. but I think what it is is when the Spirit intercedes for us in those moments, yeah. we don't even know how the Spirit is interceding yeah, for us. that's good. It's almost as if it's a groaning. We, that's good. We don't know. But what I love about that is that is such good news because, man, the more and more I walk with Jesus, the more and more I realize this is a one-way street. Mm. <laughs> I mean, God is at the center yeah, man. and at the core of this. Yeah. And even in moments when I don't even know what to pray, God, the Holy Spirit is there to intercede for me. Yeah, man. Gosh, that's good news, that's man. Good. That's good. There's also emotional health. There's also a physical health aspect that can come. You you wouldn't think that crying or grieving or, or groaning is actually good for you in any way, shape, or form. But this, this comes from a... a a blog from health.harvard.edu. Um, it talks about crying in categories and why it's good for you. Emotional tears, which flush stress hormones and other toxins yeah. out of your system, and they potentially offer health benefits like releasing, uh, uh, what is it here, uh, oxytocin and, and 
endogenous opioids. I'm not a doctor, also known right. as endorphins. Yeah. It's releasing these chemicals in your body that actually in infants and in babies, um, when whoever comes to care for them in the midst of their crying and the releasing of those endorphins, there's an attachment that's built to. Absolutely. And a dependency that's built upon. And we see that when we go to God in prayer in the midst of of crying and, and groaning and seeing this, this unity that's being brought to our dependency on God in those moments. And again, a reason why... It's so important to walk through this process. What you know, what you just explained scientifically, yeah. is because God has created our bodies to do that that yeah. way. And yeah. listen, man, I don't think that it's by happenstance or an accident that one of the number one crises in our nation is the opioid epidemic mm. and people wanting to numb their pain yeah. and emotions and alcohol and yeah. all of these things that people reach for to process their emotions with. And inevitably what we see is it always damages because God has designed a process. And I believe that that process is lamenting. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So we have to, we have to open our mouths and sometimes those words are broken. And then the third thing is this, that we go to God in prayer. We do it in the morning. Yeah. In the morning. Some of you are hearing, oh, great. Listen, my, my oldest just turned four yesterday. Happy yeah. birthday, Jesse. We love you very much, Doc McStuffins. Yes. Um, t- that's Jesse. She's Doc. <laughs> the Doc is in. Uh, it's really hard to get up in the mornings uh, yep. when at 5 o'clock, 5.30, whatever. My, our, my mother-in-law's in town right now, so she's bearing the brunt of this. Uh, but Jesse will come to you uh, first thing in the morning, put her hands on both sides of your face and say, Daddy, I'm up. Yes. Uh, and that's usually like between 5 and 6 a.m. Yes. And so, yeah. you, I mean, you said it on Sunday. You, uh, you said it the day before yesterday. Like, you you see this this word in the morning, and you're like, well, if this is a prescription, I just, I, I can't take this right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's yeah. no way that this can happen. What's he mean, like, by by coming to this idea? Like, David is obviously doing this in the morning. David is, it, he's, he's saying, oh, Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice. And a second time, in the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you, and yeah. I watch. What's the significance of this in the morning? He uses it twice. Does he actually mean first thing in the morning? I think he does, but what does it mean for those of us who maybe don't have uh, those wee hours to deal with in a seasonal life? Yeah, number one, what David is doing is he's rehearsing in Exodus 29 the sacrifice um, of the morning sacrifice, what yeah. the priest would do. And God gives instructions and says, do this in the morning, prepare the sacrifice. And then there's this little line, and and he says, do this in the morning when I speak to you. Yeah. And I'll I thought, yeah. I thought, man, that... That is the key. That mm. that's the thing underneath it. And and I even talked about in Jesus's life, Mark one thirty five, rising while it was still dark mm. and going to a desolate place to pray. What's what's he doing here? What's what's the principle? Because listen, I don't want to be legalistic just because of yeah. what you said, man. There's parents. There's people who are working, yeah. you know, twelve hour shifts and all of this stuff. Are you saying I got to get up at three a.m.? I'm not being legalistic about that. What we said was this, talk to God and let God talk to you before you talk to yourself. Mm. I think that's the principle. Prayer is a priority. Yes. What are the first, you know, there's a principle of first fruits that we give God the first bit of our money, that we give God also, I believe, the first part of our day when it comes to that. Because the moment that you start talking to yourself, Yeah. Man, that's that's like Alice in Wonderland, and down the rabbit hole you do go. Yeah, yeah. What what does it say that I 
I don't remember who said this, but I hear you say it a lot. Um, no one lies to you more than yourself. Right. Absolutely, uh, yeah, the man. Moment you speak to yourself. And that's another reason why, going back to spiritual bypassing, like most of those things are things that we tell ourselves. Yes. Most of those things are that, that they sound like good things, but we're lying to ourselves to mask up and to cover something up. And this, the same goes with prioritize. It's why we have to prioritize communion with God and why we have to prioritize connecting with him in prayer. Because what God has to say to us about our scenario, about him, about his presence in our scenario is far greater and far more true than anything we could ever tell ourselves or muster up in our own brains. Yeah, and just speaking to anybody who's listening, I think a good illustration of this is you're, you're in a season in your life. There's emotions, there's suffering. I don't know what it is. There's a lot going on. Yeah. But if you were to think about a tether ball and a tethered, you know, a pole with that ball connected with the string, no matter how hard you hit that, no matter how crazy it gets, that ball is still tethered to the pole. Yeah. There, there's a limit to it. I think the principle here about the connection and going to God in prayer is like that. Yeah. The point is to tether yourself to the promises of God. Yeah. And no matter what comes along, no matter how hard you get hit, no matter what's going on, you're still able to be connected in yeah. that sense. That's good. That's good. We connect to God in prayer in those three ways, spoken and broken words and in the morning. And then our, your second point was this, position to place yourself to be in God's presence. Place yourself to be in God's presence. Now, we don't just mean solely like the gathering and going to church and being in it. Those are absolutely 100% important things. What was the quote that you posted this week? Like, you hear people say that, uh, I saw it as well. You hear people say that, that I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, that's true, but in the same way that you say, I don't have to go home to be married, your marriage is going to suffer from that. (laughs) Like, like you're still married, you got the ring on your finger, you said your vows, but if you never go home, something's not going right. Like, something's not there. So, what does it mean? Because we, I know we've talked about the presence of God, and we've heard it in multiple, like, there is God's omnipresence, he's everywhere all the time, but then there's also his manifest presence. Right. What's the difference between those, and what does it look like for us to place ourselves in God's presence? Well, there's a big shift in the text, and in verses 4, 5, and 6, David talking about is, you know, these evildoers and wickedness and you destroy those who speak lies Mm -hmm. and there's all this stuff going on. And then always in the Psalms, if you see the word like because or for or the word but, there's a shift. There's a paradigm shift. And in verse seven, David says, but I through the abundance of your steadfast love, your mercy, your goodness, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear Mm. of you. I love how he does not say, but I, because of my good deeds and that I'm not like those people, I'll enter your house. It's because of something God has done, the abundance of his love. Or he doesn't say that if I get to your house, then I will experience your steadfast love. He's saying he knows about the steadfast love and that's what's drawing him into God's presence. And Oftentimes, I do hear people sort of cop out, and especially, you know, in this day and age, in in what's going on with technology and COVID and, and this, that, and the other, and I'm not, you know, trying to get political or do anything like that, but it's like what we said, you know, I hear guys say, man, when I'm in the deer stand and I'm out there in God's creation, I'm, you know, I'm connected with the Lord. I believe that. That's yes. My, that's my church. Yes. Yeah. Amen. You know, that's that's great. 
But there is also the manifest presence of God, Mm. where God shows up in a very real and particular way. And what he has promised is, is that at the gathering, the Lord's people in the Lord's house on the Lord's day, under the word of the Lord, filled with the spirit of the Lord, something real happens there. We see that at the table. Yes, 100%. And what David is saying is, man, I've got this situation. And, and if I can get into the presence of God there in the gathering, I know that something will change. And, and the application sentence that we said was, is that God's presence changes our perspective. Yeah. So no matter what the scenario is, no matter what's going on, the situation, the trials, the suffering, man, when we come to the gathering, we sing these promises, yeah. we read God's word, we see the elements of communion. That thing that we thought was so important and at the top of the priority list yeah. tends to fall. Yeah. You know, it yeah. it tends to get a little bit less. Yeah. No, and a change of perspective is absolutely something that if, if, if there's anything that's needed right now, it's a change of perspective. Yes. And it's, and it's gotta be a perspective that comes from God and from his word. It's one of the reasons, we, we sang a song this week, um, on Sunday is called "Come to Jesus." It was a new song that that uh, I I had drummed over over uh, my sabbatical and my six weeks of being at home with the kids, and then it was the first time. It seemed very fitting to be able to sing aloud together with our people, and it really just mimics um, Jesus's words in Matthew eleven, where he says, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for your souls." And I think. That like we want rest and we want relief from what's going on in our life right now. We want to spiritually bypass it and say it's not happening or feel better from it immediately. But the perspective that God has to offer us is that He that Jesus even says it to His disciples: "I'm with you even to the end of the age. Right. That I'm here with you in the midst of the muck, in the mire, in the darkest and deepest valley." And that is the call that we hear that we on this side of the cross know and come to not just in prayer, but to the cross and to the table and to the empty tomb. Yeah. We come to Jesus Christ because he is the one who offers that peace and that and that relief and that rest, even in the midst of chaos, emotional or physical. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You, yeah, go ahead. We looked at, you know, I always love when science, you know, tries to explain God or something like that, because I, you know, I don't think that science and the Bible or science and the Christian faith are at odds with one another. And I thought it was just important to look at, like, there's real substantial evidence here yeah. about about what the gathering is and and how it takes place. And the USA Today had an article in 2016 that said religion may be a miracle drug, <laughs> and 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 it opens with the line. What if one could conceive of a single elixir to improve the physical and mental health of millions of Americans at no personal cost? What value would we place on that? And a Harvard professor of epidemiology, actually with like 20 years worth of study, looked at people who regularly attended the public gathering at church. And dude, the statistics and everything that came back were astronomical. But at the end of the article, it ends with something about the communal religious experience and participation Mm. matters. Mm. Something powerful appears to take place there. 
and enhances health. And it is something quite different Mm. from solitary spirituality, which I think is the great lie that Christians are falling into of this idea of, you know, we say this language through our connection class, your salvation is personal, but it's not private. And this idea of solitary, I can worship online and do this, that, and the other. And the reality is it wasn't designed that way. And processing and going through this uh, lamenting, being in the public gathering, that's the expression that God has for it, man. Yeah, man. So thankful for the gathering. So thankful that God has instituted the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. Such a good thing for us to be able to come, not just on a, on one day, on the on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, but also be connected with one another throughout the week. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, you close us out with a couple questions. Yeah. Uh, I want to read these. Um, the first one is this. Just in light of everything we've talked about in terms of spiritual bypassing and going to God in prayer and being honest and then placing ourselves in His presence, are you, ask yourself this question. Are you trying to go around what God is leading you through? You know, one of the things that I almost talked about is one of the most profound books that you can read about that is a children's book called Going on a Bear Hunt. <laughs> Never heard of that. Oh, dude, Going on a Bear Hunt. And you, didn't, you didn't talk about that on Sunday. No, I didn't, but I thought about it. That's why we have the rest of the sermon. But it is, if you think about emotional health and trials and situations, think, I want you to find Going on a Bear Hunt and interject that and lay that over the book. Mm-hmm. And it's a family who's trying to find the bear and they come across a forest and they go a dark, dreary forest. We can't go around it. We can't go over it. Mm. We can't go under it. Yeah. We got to go through it. Yeah. And they go through it and uh, through the entire book. But the reality is, is yeah. that's what Jesus is wanting to do with us. Yeah. Jesus isn't interested in going around things. Yeah. Jesus is interested in going through things with you. Yeah. With you. That's, that's the good. whole key in that, man. Yeah. Amen. So are you trying to go around what God's leading you through? And number two, how are you regularly positioning yourself regularly to be in God's presence? How are you regularly positioning yourself to be in God's presence? Analyze that in your life. Are you finding yourself yourself neglecting um, the gathering? Are you finding yourself uh, favoring isolation as opposed to insulation with God's people and with one another and with your family? Are you regularly positioning yourself to be in God's presence. Um, you shared a very personal uh, experience a moment on a Sunday. We don't have to go in depth unless you'd like to. Yeah. Um, but I really, I really appreciate one the imagery um, and just the supernatural way in which God uh, dropped that in your in your mailbox through a dream and then that connection at the at the prayer retreat that you were at. Yeah. But I love. I, more so than the details of the story, I just love what it communicates about God's care. Mm. Like I don't think that. We don't give God the credit that he deserves in terms of the care for our individual lives. Yeah, man. And, for like, like, and I'm not elevating us as like, yes, we, we are higher than animals and creatures among the earth. And as believers, like the Bible says, we're even higher than angels. But yeah, in the midst of that, we, we see God caring deeply for the emotions and the things that you're going through and the things that you're feeling. And he wants to meet you there. Like it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. What matters is who we go to, who we go to with those emotions. And God is beckoning you and calling us to him through his word and by his spirit and through his son to come and be honest with him and take his hand and walk through the hard times in life and the good times with him, with him. That's good news. That's good news. Any closing thoughts before I've, 
I've got a passage I'd like to read out of Revelation, some good news on the days to come. But do you have anything that you want to close us out and leave our people with? Yeah, I would just say this. Um, I've I've been on this journey of just personal study for just a couple of years, and I'm realizing that it's a very slow process. Mm. And the reason why is because once you start learning about your emotional health, you also learn, you know, from a family systems theory, you you learn from your family of origin. Yeah. So all of us interact with our emotions and we're taught something either overtly or covertly through the family in which we were raised. And so whether it was stuffing those emotions or exploding or doing those things, and I would just encourage anybody who's getting ready to kind of start on this journey to really get down to what it is to follow Jesus. Because mm. I think this is, this is the nitty gritty, man. I think this is where Jesus really wants us to go. I think this is where formation happens. I think that's what Paul means when he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind yeah. and all of these things. Um, give yourself a lot of grace mm. and give yourself a lot of time. And also give your family a lot of grace. Yeah. Because what I've also seen, and I experienced this too, when you first get into this and you realize, wow, man, I actually, oh my gosh, like that in my life was actually clinical trauma like yeah. this. Um, you, you tend to want to point a finger and you tend to want to go, well, if this, you know, if my parents had just blank, then I wouldn't be wired this way or yeah. this, that, or the other. And the reality is, is that God is good yeah. and, and God ha has used everything in your life to bring you to this moment in the yeah. here and now. So give yourself a lot of grace, give your family a lot of grace, and then please give yourself a lot of time this is a slow process. You know, yeah. I think about right now, the Olympics are on mm. and everybody's watching the greatest athletes in the world shatter these records and do some of the greatest things and watching, you know, whether it's the gymnasts or the swimmers or this, that, and the other. And bro, it's like maybe five minutes. Yeah. You know, you tune in and it's maybe five minutes yeah. and you realize they've been working their entire life yeah. to break that record. Yeah. And we get a glimpse of it. And yeah. I think this day and age with social media, Instagram, we see everybody's highlight reels. Yeah. And the reality is, I'll never forget what uh, Max Licato said, our strengths impress people. And, and I think that's what a lot of us want to do. We want to impress people. Oh, yeah. But our weaknesses connect us to people. Mm, that's good. And I think the church of Jesus Christ would do well to be honest in our weaknesses. Yeah. So give yourself time. Give yourself grace yeah. in this process. That's good. That's good, man. Well, I will include the uh, spiritual bypassing graphic into the show notes. We'll have that in there for you guys. And if you want to find out more about us as a church, you can go to westsidepb.org. You can visit us in our summer gathering time times right now at 10 a.m. one service at Westside and you can catch us on our Facebook live stream there as well and if you're listening to this you know where you can find the podcast you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts um, and let's see uh, what was the last thing that I had to say we've got VBS yes. the last night of VBS coming up not this Wednesday yeah. but the following Wednesday August yeah. the 11th from 630 to 830 or yeah. 6 to 8 I'm not sure check out our website but yeah. it is going to be a blast yep. it's the finale parents start planning to send your yep. kids now 
out. Yep. If you came the first two nights, make sure you come the, this last night because uh, you'll get a shirt. I think you get a shirt out of it. And you also get to learn and love more about Jesus Christ. Amen. And your kids and your family will benefit from that, and so will you. So I'm going to read through this passage. Uh, it's about five verses from Revelation chapter 21, and then I will let you go. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he said, he who was seated on the throne, behold, I am making all things new. All things new, man. That is good news for all of us this morning. Thank you for joining us for the rest of the sermon. We love you guys. And as always, may everything that we say and do be all about Jesus. Blessings to you and yours. We love you. See you next time.